Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone in the wrestling should be fun universe. Never used that terminology before and hopefully never will again. But welcome very much to episode 90. Josh is actually choked on that terminology there. I don't know if. Awful. <laughs> Awful. Welcome to episode 92 of the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. And we've almost got a full class of 92 today, playing the part of Paul Skulls. In the top left hand corner, we've got Ross, the boss, Casey. Hey mate, how's it going? Happy to be called Skullsy, you know, one of the best players in the world with a tiny penis. <laughs> Information I was not aware of, but yeah. <laughs> very, very much. Uh, in my in my bottom right corner, we've got someone who probably doesn't want to talk about football ever again, playing the part of Phil Neville, Josh, the Fox Heady. <laughs> well, he was around for a long time and he was always reliable, so I'll take that. Would you go with Danny Simpson? Harry Maguire, Man United and Leicester as well. I, yeah, I argue that Danny Simpson's the worst player to ever have won the Premier League. Well, Nick Chadwick won the Premier League, didn't he? Yeah, but I saw Danny Simpson at Blackburn. It was bad times. Wow. Isn't, isn't Danny Simpson one of the... I've got to get his stat right. He's like one of the top 10 players of like most minutes in the Premier League without ever scoring a goal, I think. I, I don't think he ever scored for us, so that, that could be true. Yeah. Must have uh, been of course. Anyway, sorry. They're the dulcet northern tones of... I mean, they're all from Lancashire, weren't they, mate? So you have to be Gary Neville today. It's Brom. <laughs> if it's 92 and we're making football references, I'd be interested in doing a good hour on the back pass rule. The, the, <laughs> the, revo- the revocation of, of that was 1992, wasn't it? I thought it was the year after. If anyone mm. watched the National League playoff final, there was an indirect free kick given in that game. Nice, yeah. And, of course, there's me... JCH, I'll, I'll be Bex then. Go on. Oh. Oh, go on oh. If I have to. Oh, no. Golden uh, balls. It is, yeah. Episode 92. Very excited. We'll be four man team today. And Ross, you're going to kick us off with what's fast becoming my favourite part of the podcast a call up sheet. Yeah, we're back again with the call-up sheet. There's 24 likes on this one, so there's plenty to rack through. Okay, um, we're not doing 24, Ross. Sorry. No, we're not. WSBF Universe, as JCH has <laughs> now called them. There's a, there's a new tactic where I just read out names and then choose ones for uh, special treatment. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's go through some names that have already been done previously. There's Drunk Uncle Scissors, who, of course, that was a name that was handed to him by us, Tony of Bingus on Twitter. Hello to Tony. Big love out for uh, Tony, also a member of Shop Mastermind in past years. John Colon, we've said hello to him previously. It's me, JC81. Hello to John. Andrews Rengifio, we've said hello to him previously as well. Andrews DR on Twitter. Sweet Thunder 11 Someone that we've said hello to previously as well, known by Emmanuel Pagan Colon. Fantastic name. Very uh, Puerto Rican on trend. Corey Deal, we said hello to him recently. 
the 40 ounces we definitely said hello to him recently as yeah. well no, i remember that one ryan harland with two y's in both ryan and harland we've said hello to you previously as well hello again aaron walker garrigal lad 95 whoa, whoa 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 get back up two y's in harland island no yeah y's. H-Y-Y-L-A-N-D. Oh, Highland. I think you said Highland as in Althinger. He's probably the more famous one. I think we did Ryan Harley, the old uh, extra city. Yeah. My life. He was yeah. also on the National League playoff. He's he's at Notts County now. Is he? Yeah, as part of the, 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 the backroom team. All these old school legends, isn't there, knocking about there? John Bostock. <laughs> yeah. Best young player in the world for 20 minutes. <laughs> Not the best at taking penalties. Didn't John Bostock <laughs> get sold for like a bag of footballs from Crystal Palace or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, the broadcast podcast we've said hello to you previously in previous incarnations and Grossi we've said hello to you as well our man the editor that is Phil Stopford hey to Phil thanks again Ooh. for all the brilliant work Patrick Dam Harris we've said hello to you previously as well Blocking yeah, Sled big fan <laughs> of Blocking Sled and then we'll go through to the actual likes themselves and let's do some real ones. Okay, let's start with Yanni Hamburger, horror content creator. Writing, reading, watching horror is my passion. Once part of the band of demons that lost to Johnny, he cheated. Y- Yanni Hamburger is when uh, R.O.H.'s cheeseburger debuts in the Impact Zone, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say if he's a band of demons who lost to Johnny, is he one of the... Uh... Spirit Squad getting beaten by John Cena. So like, Mikey, Nikki, <laughs> Yanni. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Next up, we've got more magical Foz. Fozkia Fozmabukuro. He, him, 20, University of Akron. I'm trying my best. It seems to be like that sometimes. Who is he more magical than? Foz. <laughs> no, no, Foz. I think Foz is more magical than someone. He just doesn't. Oh right, not, okay. I don't. I just don't think he's explicit about who he's more magical than. Well, let's be like blasé about it and just go with what we think, as Vince McMahon would famously do. Let's just pretend it is Oz and like just turn him into a magician. <laughs> Love it. I, I'm I'm getting a sort of cunning food hoarder who lives in a bunker stealing cider off a, a fat, thin, a tall farmer. Fantastic, Mister Foz. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Whoever he is will be singing his entrance. <laughs> Out of time. Next up, we've got Born Head of the Table, Beast Mode. Just a humble wrestling fanatic of over 30 years. Bruh, I'm just here to love the wrestling. Hopeful future podcaster. It's coming, son. I mean, he's a uh, broke three different IP cancer, so we, we do need to um <laughs> we do probably need to rebrand him. Got Marshawn Lynch Roman Reigns hybrid going on here. Unfair. Veer's coming still. <laughs> I like the idea of um obviously Johnny Wrestling has different names sometimes. And there's Johnny Bravo, so he could just be called Johnny Humble. Hmm. Like it. I like it. I, I do like the idea though of just like stealing like you know, you've got like the gimmicks of where people like it's happened throughout history where people have gone through a thing where they've stolen different wrestlers' gimmicks. I like the idea of it just being a little bit more literal and him just actually just fully stealing their IP and he's in, like, permanent litigation. <laughs> <laughs> like AEW and GCW. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Heyman with the ECW music back in the day. <laughs> Next up, we've got Legally Not a Pyramid Scheme, Beers and Brisket. 
Here to drink beer and be entertained. Unverified before it was cool. I'd like to get to know these people. (laughs) (laughs) I do think there is like, there is a gap for a pyramid scheme in wrestling. Do you think that's where, what was Nova called in WWE? Was it Simon Dean? It was, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's where his gimmick was going? Primo and Epico kind of had a, did a timeshare thing, but I don't know if anyone's gone full on pyramid scheme. I do like the idea of it. Like try to get all the wrestlers signed up and yeah, yeah. I don't know. He's Cameron Grimes He's had his stonks over. thing. Oh yeah, yeah, and his Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're right. I think someone someone should go full pyramid scheme. <laughs> but this is it. This is it. It's gonna get gonna get over. And have beers and brisket, which is why I'm along for the ride and why I'm buying into this pyramid scheme. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, CR Media, 1988. KCMO, Since the Womb. Huge supporter of Living Your Best Life. Hot Tag and Pit Stop, Dynamite Post Show, and Bad Booking. What was the Since the Womb part, sorry? KCMO, which is shortened of something. Well, I don't know. An acronym that <laughs> we don't know if we're not cool. <laughs> <laughs> the acronym I do know is CR Media. That, that must surely be Cristiano Ronaldo. Ooh. Really enjoying your memes, Ross. Surely, surely. Next up, we've got good old Irish boy, Tim Vicious. Dad, unforgiving prick living the bastard's way. Northman, host of Vicious Rants and Vicious Karaoke Party. Often imitated, never duplicated. This is Don Van Damme. He was born in Ireland, didn't it? <laughs> well, this is actually someone who's from PA. I, I love the idea that Tim Vicious is like Sid's smaller brother who works in accounts. <laughs> <laughs> Sid's got him a job through nepotism, but he's got absolutely no. Never himself, <laughs> Hosts the Go karaoke on, party for the softball team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Tim. Next up, we've got Jay Carson. Jay Carson, real one. And he's simply got a bio that says him with a crown. So he's a big fan of Carmelo Hayes and Enzo. <laughs> Can we go with more Carmelo than Enzo, please? <laughs> Thanks. Jay Carson, to be fair, is... I hope that's his real name, because that is like a proper low-level US indie name, isn't it? Jay Carson. <laughs> I'd be yeah. very surprised if I've not seen at least three different Jay Carsons at some point wrestling. Like, Never be on the second match. <laughs> Next up, we've got K-Dog Kuipers. Gamer, <laughs> wrestling fan, metal fan, YouTube content creator... My videos cover gaming to social commentary. I'm also co-host of the ATOE podcast from Australia. Is that, is that Benelux? Oh, Australia. I thought Kuipers. I thought that's like Benelux. That sort of region. <laughs> well, I, I was getting Australian vibe because like Kuipers, there was also like, I mean, it's like Mel Kuipers, the footballer. I don't know, but there was like Ryan Skeppers from Heartbreak High. He was a <laughs> bit of a bad boy at the start. And then, uh, yeah, maybe he's turned his life around. Played by Rel Hunt, I believe. Hey Dog oh, wow. is kind of an a like joint character between K Quick and Road Dog from back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> the best of both I, worlds. I think, I think you know how you know how some wrestlers have um, their own belts, like G Money and Taz and stuff like that. I think he needs the Kuiper belt, and it, in and in rather than him having just like a normal belt around his waist, he has um, like a an asteroid belt which covers multi billions of light years. It's very impractical, especially for small arenas or small solar systems, but it's definitely go over. (laughs) It would go over. (laughs) 
be expensive to purchase on the merch table. Yeah, it would, yeah, yeah. And it all carry around a replica, one of them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have a real, really significant gravitational pull as well, which would be an issue. But I, <laughs> Irish whips and things like that would be a lot more difficult when you've got that level of mass. Perfect for like cheating as a heel, though. Yeah. <laughs> a zero gravity belt sounds like something that'd be on a GCW show, though. Yeah. There, there, was it? There is a zero gravity belt. Is it ICW? I'm Come on, guys. This, yeah, this, I can't be the first person to have thought of this. No, Some indie guy must be. Yeah. I'm sure it's a UK. People are going to be screaming at the pod now. Oh, I'm Googling it. I'm giving up. Zero gravity belt. Who's got one? I must be ma- making that up. Irish whip wrestling, I think. Oh, nice. Sheamus' old promotion, okay. maybe. Sheamus wasn't part of that, surely. Too big. <laughs> OTT? I don't have something like that. Yeah, I think it's I think it's it was OTT that maybe I was thinking of. Mm. Yeah, maybe it's just for Irish promotions. I wonder if it's the same belt that like they inherited. I don't know. I feel I feel like now you mentioned it um, when we had the OTT chat. It came up. Yeah, I think that sounds right. I think that sounds right. Doesn't sound like us to talk about something and then completely forget about it weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> weeks, minutes. <laughs> Shappy is the only person in the group that has any memory longer than a goldfish (laughs) (laughs) next up we've got Jason Manley the night owl show on Radio Glamorgan Tuesday 9pm home of two songs one title where are they now rock block classic algas listen on radioglamorgan.com from Cardiff Wales Jason Manley I am seeing him as a sort of 2000 number two in the world Cornish dart player who also worked in a newsagents in uh, about somewhere near Morden or Rains Parkway, uh, like Peter Manley. So he's coming out to uh, Peter Manley, coming out to Amarillo. <laughs> the crowd are getting on board with him, but he's also a massive like he's a bit of a heel to like the young up and comers. He's one of those veterans getting in their heads, just giving them talking shit that they, and then pretending he's saying nothing. One of those guys, one of those guys he is. I like him. I think I want like a William Regal gimmick, and it should be Manly Jason Manly. <laughs> Brilliant. We've got two more left. Let's get to it. Next up, Shed and Cabbage, the Duke of Livingston, 88% Celtic fan, 10% Burnley fan, 2% don't give a fuck. I support two teams. Connor William Hazard, Montour Stan, the Matt is sacred. He had 88% of good supporting, 10% of being a bit of a prick, didn't he? Well, he's won two titles, so he's a happy man. One, well, one of them. 1.5. Yeah, the chat, yeah, Burnley cheated, so it's only a half. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, the championship's a great league, lads, let's be honest. Great league. It is a great league. That's all I'm going to say. Great league. The Um, only thing they're great at is having a good looking manager. (laughs) Shed and Cabbage is a tag team, surely. (laughs) <laughs> but they were in NXT 2.0 weren't they Ross <laughs> I feel they've been like the British version of Special K <laughs> that's what Americans shed, think we eat shed cabbage roof pavement or something like well, you, you say the British version of Special K this is a good quiz question for you Special K did have a British member can you name him I'm, I'm annoyed because I forgot to do the quiz this week. I knew quite a lot of them. I was at work. so um, I mean, this wasn't in the quiz this week. This I know, I know. I know it wasn't. They had a British member in this special... Uh, 
Well, no, I can't name him. Was it Jodie Fleisch? Well done, Ross. Was Jodie Fleisch? Yes. Well, dumbass, Harris. <laughs> I had that periodic table thing straight away, though, mate. I had all four of them. <laughs> And finally, we've got ourselves <laughs> someone that just got a short mention last week, Clint McCormick. He's back this week, and I looked at his bio, and he's changed it for us, and it says, Enter something witty here for Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast from Dudley, England. Isn't he the fellow that we saw at a ship? Did we saw at um, the Correct, yeah. Time? Big West Brom fan. Times, yeah. So, um, enter something witty here for a gimmick. So, nah, we don't do our own work, we we got writers. <laughs> You'll give us the material, kid. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to come on soon, Clint, and um, take part in the call-up sheet yourself. So that is the call-up sheet for this week. Thanks for everyone for asking for their new gimmicks. We hope that you enjoyed them. And we'll move on to what the nerds are watching. I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Come on. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, long. Can I kick off what the nerds are watching in saying I have been watching, and this is going to be a mixed bag for amongst the people here, I imagine, watching Revolution Pro Wrestling decide they're running the copper box. I'd like to get some thoughts on that. I know it's not watching per se, but we watched, um, it. We watched them announce it. <laughs> I think it's it's bold. I guess it's like with any of these big shows that are announced by different companies, it's just down to how many tickets they can sell. If they can sell it out, great. And if they don't, they don't, I guess. I mean, what's it, what's it have like six thousand five and a half six thousand seven thousand? I think I think it could probably run seven. So was it eight thousand that signed up for pre-sale or something like that? Fair. Sure that was was it, well, well, Wembley's got sixty-five thousand sold already, and they've announced <laughs> Osprey Shingo, which is quite big for this. Not bad, is it? <laughs> yeah, this, these shores. You can argue. I don't. Uh, um, Match quality-wise, that might beat anything on All In. Yeah. I mean, if that was the main event of Wrestle Kingdom, I don't think too many people would moan. So that's the sort of levels you're talking about, which for a UK indie to put on is pretty fucking incredible. Mm. Any news on the bar queue at Copper Box, Brum? Or security? <laughs> Did we go for Ross? That's why we went for Ross's stag, right? Yeah. Can you remember what it was like there? Uh, I remember that I watched the main event at the bar-ish because I couldn't be bothered to go back to my seat. But yeah. um, so I don't think it was terrible. It was better. Than, it's better than your call. Definitely better than your call. Yeah, uh, to, to, yeah. To be fair, a fucking uh, a ring in the middle of desert in fucking Utah in Mormon country would be better than your call. Yeah, a bedroom <laughs> rest at my house, you know, better bar service than your call. <laughs> <laughs> and even if I had to serve and be in the match, like to go back to the original question. I saw the tweet from Quilden where he was like, either go big or, or go home on All In Weekends. He's got full trust that they're going to put on a show that people are going to want to go and see. And from what he's done in, in the past with bringing in the New Japan guys and big time US indie stars, he's more than capable of doing it. So if you've got 65,000 plus people come in for the Sunday and you put on a show on a Saturday that's got people that aren't going to be on that show and you were still a fan of, I reckon that they can sell out 7,000. I, well, I mean, I can... anecdotally, a group of lads that um, that I know who've, who've never done, I don't think they've ever done either Progress or Rev Pro based like up north or separately or, or Midlands and things like that. They've, um, when they got the all-in tickets, they immediately got the Defy Progress doubleheader tickets. 
because they were like, we're going to be down for the weekend. They even came out and said, I hope RevPro runs as well. So I think there's going to be a bunch of people like that who are just coming in and like, oh, well, and know enough about wrestling that they know enough about the UK scene, especially if it's advertised well, that they'll end up going to shows. I don't know if it's the 7,000 of them, but definitely, definitely multiple thousands of people I think will go to a good card. I, th- I think the bigger issue for me is just the clash with the Progress Defy show I'm absolutely gutted about. Because um, I'll, you know, it's my home promotion. I'll watch Progress to the end and then run off, hoping that Progress fin- finishes tight at seven o'clock. I'll I think then, that... I'll then get the, probably, it's probably about half an hour, isn't it, with the overground and walking to then get to the copper box from the ballroom and then I'll watch, hopefully squeeze the second half in. If I'm Progress, I, I say I'm thinking back to when I went to Mania in New York and RevPro had a show on the same day as NXT that was going to be... Uh, they basically, they had Sabre and Suzuki against Osprey and Okada, I think it was. Uh, and they put it on as like the first half main. And they put even their... There's a, I think it was... I can't remember if it was Aussie Open or how big they were at that point. If they put their match on before the main and the main was a little bit of a... Like a more of a mid-card match. And they sort of revamped the card because they, they expected people to leave to go and make the NXT show on time. That was like peak NXT. Like, well, yeah, I'd say the peak NXT, like Gargano, Cole, two out of three falls. I think it was. And they're expecting people to leave. So they sort of, if I'm progress, I'm sort of having that in mind uh, when I'm putting together that card. But the difference is, though, I mean, probably without going too much into it, I don't think progress and Rev Pro are on each other's Christmas card lists. And I think, especially from Rev Pro side, there's more probably chance of counter programming than doing something which is the best output for fans. Is the Defy show first before the progress yeah. show? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's right, Defy. Okay. My understanding is it's Defy one till four. Well, with, with a gap, obviously, so with well, an interval. But progress four till seven, and right. then Red Pro five thirty till nine thirty. I think Defy was twelve. No, it's so. I think I thought it's doors at twelve, and then the shows one till four, four till seven, and then uh, the, no, doors yeah. are super early at the copper box because Serena like three. But I think the first bell times five thirty. Yeah, five thirty till nine thirty, I think, and then it's the WSBF post show party at ten. <laughs> JCH's house, <laughs> not far so from I'm wondering, walking, walking distance. <laughs> so I'm wondering, with Defy being on first, are they going to put like all the US guys? Like I know Nick Wayne's announced already. Like, say they get like a Swerve or a Darby Allen, are they going to put all the stars in the Defy show and then have Progress just be like the Progress roster? Did they not? Did they not like? Did not like have Oku on the Defy poster? I'm pretty sure. No, I think. What, what do you say, Oku? He's on the Defy poster. I think. Is is that not the Defy show that they're running in Canada? Oh yeah, well, yeah. Nick I, Wayne's announced for the UK show. Yeah. I think. On the day that it was announced, Progress retweeted Michael Oku saying that he was going to be at that promotion, but it didn't specify that it was going to be at that show. But the fact that Progress retweeted it points towards that. I think, um, yeah, because I, I think you're yeah, going on from what Josh was saying. I think the announce. I think is it just Nick Wayne at the moment announced for the Defy show and Davy Boy Smith announced for the Progress yeah show? yeah. But remember, we know what the headline for the the Progress show is going to be. It's called it's clobbering time. So that means it's FTR versus Sunshine Machine with CM Punk in FTR's corner. But oh, it's called it's clobbering time. Punk's got to be there. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, you feel like Punk's going to be there, don't you? Weirdly. Hang on, why wasn't Becky Lynch at When the Man Comes Around then? <laughs> she was. She was just wearing a Lycos mask. 
Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Like I say, I've I've got tickets to progress. I'm gonna buy a ticket to Renfro tomorrow. I think it's going on sale, even though I've got yeah. no money at the moment. But I'm gonna buy one. Oh, is that on sale tomorrow? Yeah, they said so today's the last day of pre-sale. You get your code in the morning, and it get not pre-sale registering. Get your code in the morning, and it goes on sale at six p.m., which is my busy time at work, annoyingly. So I might swing the deets to someone else. But uh, yeah, I, could, I don't, I, I don't I, think I, I, I need I'll, to get I'll one. sort you out, mate. You do the all-in tickets. This but, isn't a very good podcast, is it? Us organising how we're going to get tickets. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm, but I'm just saying, that as, a, as a wrestling fan, I'm going to get tickets to both. Well, I've got one ticket, I'm going to get tickets to the other one, and then I'll work out when I'm going to leave. I'm not going to guarantee that I'll stay at Progress till the end. I'll wait and see both cards, I think, and then... We, we're not going to let you leave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, if I say, if the main event of Progress is Sunshine Machine v FTR, then, yeah, I'll stick around. That was, Imagine... a, that was a semi joke. I don't want that. I know it's a semi joke. I'm just saying. I'm just saying because, you, know, you know, but if it's. I've got no inside knowledge. I just. The show's called It's Clobbering Time. So there's also, like, there's also a decent chance you could get Sunshine Machine VFTR on the Cobblebox show. Like the other day, we were talking about. Um, I believe it was two weeks ago, Ross, wasn't it? It was me, you, and, and when Brum joined, when we were talking about that being a match, and we thought maybe it's a bit too big for the ballroom, not big enough for all in. Then maybe it's because they knew they were getting the copper box, which is a mid-sized venue that Rev Pro have worked with New Japan, so they've worked with FTR before. Maybe FTR Sunshine Machines a copper box show match, which is quite feasible, I think. And do I you think Rev Pro could potentially get the Danielson Zack Sabre match at copper box? That's got to be a Wembley's match, surely. No. Yeah. I still think it's McGuinness Danielson at Wembley. I, I think FTR Sunshine Machine is very potentially viable for copper box more viable than the boring i mean as much as we all love sunshine machine i don't think they've got like the name value worldwide as like a mcginnis or even have or certainly not a zack saber jr so i think it's more likely that sunshine machine ftrs at either rev pro or progress than yeah, that's what I mean. yeah yeah and i think it's more likely match i think it's more like to see ftr at the copper box than i am to see them at boring because after we see all the that little sort of thing that Ross you that you sent us of them two to, them four together. Yeah. And we were talking about it being at the ballroom. I think it makes a it's, it's a lot more viable to happen at Copper Box than the ballroom. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But on a positive note, like it's almost like you've bought a ticket to a festival, a day festival, and you know that there's going to be clashes and you're just yeah, gonna yeah, have no. to just I'll, I'll say and I can't I said the other day I can't wait till Friday shows stop coming up. Someone's gonna run shows on Friday. Is it Riot Cabaret or someone's already announced? Yeah, Riot Cabaret. Yeah. Oh yes. Can we no, go to that Cabaret. as well? I've not, not been to one of them. Can we go to that as well? <laughs> if, it's on, if it's on Friday night, we can go. And if you go there, if you go there, Josh, you know what you get to do. Like legit, boo that swanny fuck. Heal. Sell the merch. <laughs> go well soon, Tom. Yeah, I wish you all the best in your recovery. <laughs> It's exciting times for the UK scene, definitely. And yeah, and the little show in London in July as well. Is it July? Well, it's the day after Money in the Bank. Yeah, that little show. <laughs> I thought you were talking about All In. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, the first weekend of July. I know my holiday got approved. Yeah, it's yeah. the first of July. <laughs> yeah. So is it a Saturday? Oscar said it was a Saturday. I thought it was a Sunday. Yeah, Saturday. Yeah. Well, my holiday's been approved anyway. <laughs> nice. I have got, I am going to the British Masters on the Friday, the same day as SmackDown. So I have to run it down, back down from the Belfry to uh, get there early, nine o'clock at the Belfry, then down for SmackDown for six. What a day out! What a day out! Only click that you're talking about the golf. I thought you were talking about the snooker. 
snooker's already happened. Yeah, golf this time. My mate went no, to the no, British no. Masters snooker. So this is right near my work. The uh, Barbican Centre, I think. And that's the Masters, I think. One of them is. One of the big three. <laughs> is it the UK Masters, they call it, rather, the British Masters? Anyway. I think so, yeah. All right, who had snooker for this week's random sport? We had, we had Virgo on last week, I think, didn't we? Have we had a, there's a bit of snooker gimmick in wrestling. I can't think of one. Yeah, no, all the uh, refs in the uh, WCW are dressed as snooker players. <laughs> that's my that's my go-to karaoke song. I, I sang it at my wedding, actually, Snooker Loopy. Amazing. <laughs> it's got the best thing about it is it's got like about 406 choruses at the end and people are just actively <laughs> booing you to stop the song and it just keeps going. That's the problem with Living La Vida Loca. There's one too many, I think, for karaoke choruses. Like it goes down really well and then it has that third chorus at the end. You're like, oh, we're sort of done here. So basically we need um, a tag team of Chaz from the Headbangers and Dave Taylor as snooker players and they need to sort it from... <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Did anyone watch Dynamite this week? Did anyone watch any actual wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> Dynamite was really yeah. good, by the way. This is a wrestling podcast, I think. It um, was, yeah. I saw it. Dynamite was great. Yeah. I watched it, yeah. More for matches than, well, I mean, obviously include the turn. I think yeah. the only the only non-match thing that stood out was Christian and the mega heat he was getting. Was there anything else? Let's you not like the, um, the little bits on the pillars? Oh, yeah. Th- those good. All segments were good, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. The best thing yeah, about I it, about I don't think Matt Hardy was on it. <laughs> that was... Sorry, I know we're jumping back, but I know me and JCH are aligned on this. Fuck me, that firm deletion was one of the worst things I've seen for a long time. <laughs> and I've watched a fair few Leicester games this season as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, The old that, double that, jab that, there. Left the building. <laughs> Isaiah <laughs> Cassidy's like woke face, isn't it? But but this one was really good. I, I think the um the t- obviously the the headline match was was a banger. But um Claudio Phoenix and Cassidy Garcia were both really good matches. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you there. I loved Garcia and Cassidy. Uh, mm-hmm. Phoenix Claudio, yeah, no shock there. Two of the best. Yeah. Orange Cassidy's having an absolute blinding run. Yeah, he is, isn't he? I didn't think he quite had this in him, not as a worker, but just like with the gimmick. How can they make it last? Mm. You sort of think it might run its course, and mm. apparently, the way to do it is just by having bangers. Yeah, but they're telling this sort of famous run he's having there, Ross, isn't he? Yep, they're <laughs> telling this subtle story over time as well with the title reign in the sense that he's getting closer and closer to coming up just short every time, like he keeps on picking up little knocks and little, and eventually, someone's gonna get him. Yeah, you get those title runs when someone's not really putting them away. They're winning with like he's winning with pinning combinations and that sort of thing, but it doesn't seem like cheap. It seems like it's not like a theory throwing the bloke out of a triple threat every week, whoever is. He's he's having to do this because he's so battered and so broken because he keeps putting himself out there every week doing this almost open challenge type thing. Mm. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if he lost to Carl Fletcher. I don't think he will, but because I'm not sure that's the person they want to pull the trigger on. It wouldn't shock me if he lost that. Yeah. I find it interesting because when we did our end of year awards last year and we did the Fun Wrestler Award, the previous year he absolutely smashed it. He like pretty much got every single vote. And he struggled the following year. We spoke about it on the podcast and we're like, maybe the joke's running a little bit dry. And like you say, James, like I'm not sure that I knew that he had this in him, but he's really turned it around, hasn't he? 
yeah no, and that, that's that conversation is what i was thinking of and that yeah maybe and and congratulations to him and to aw the way they booked him from a comedy character to a he's still got that part of his character yeah he just a, and uh brum he, he was a really good masked wrestler in shikara am i correct yeah Fire Ant. One of the ants, yeah, not sweet. Yeah, yeah, part of the colony Fire Ant. So yeah, like, him and, so yeah, I was him aware that he had the arresting ability, but the way they've yeah. managed to keep his character sort of true to himself as well and make his matches be I mean, he had loves that match against sort of Osprey last year, so you know he can go a bit, but you know, anyone can go against Osprey, almost. It's it's mad <laughs> um, when you think about when you think back to the colony and it's like not only him but like Drew Gulak who's like like <laughs> The boy, even now, like backstage at WWE, every time they need to bring someone in, they like ship him over to Gulak and Hot Sauce Tracy Williams was the other one. Don't quote me on that, but yeah, he was, yeah, so yeah, Cassidy Smith and Garcia, I thought was really good. I think people were quite wary about him joining Jericho and sort of going against what they thought he should be, which is, I don't know, you're more of a technical style wrestler, but he's still got the ability and it's, I think it's really forced him to get maybe out of his comfort zone or show a side that we didn't know he had. And like his, the sort of fact that he doesn't quite fit it naturally is the character. And that's why it works. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. In my opinion. I think the the only thing on that, I, th- I think that's a really, really fair point, JCH. I, but I think it's now getting to the time where I think it's probably time to start looking at offboarding him from jazz. He's almost like, um, when they people have a go at uh, Elijah Wood in Green Street saying he's not convincing as a hooligan, that's the storyline. Yeah, that is the storyline. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of a football factory man myself, JCH. I've like, got both. Oh, what a film! Both great films. I've got, I've got a lot of quotable lines from both. I really hope that if they do take him away from JAS, that they keep some kind of personality to him and don't just turn him into a bland "I'm a technical wrestler" type wrestler. And hopefully this run that he's had will give him that because he's up against similar people like Ricky Starks who have got a, that in them and he could get lost in, in the shuffle, I think, I without... Think Ricky Starks has got charisma. Can I think? No. <laughs> wow. Really? That's I don't, get, it. I don't That's get the Ricky Starks. I don't get the Ricky Starks thing. Not at all. I like the Rose um, Bow. That's good. Uh, like, I'm going to say something semi-bitchy here and, and blame JCH for poking <laughs> it out of me because I do like Ricky Starks. But sometimes when I've heard people say they really liked his promos, I sometimes feel like he's cosplaying as a professional wrestler and he's doing like the, you know, the promos that at probably 12 years old we did in the mirror where we were like really like trying to be like the rock or trying to be those heated, like kind of late nineties, early nineties guys. And it just sometimes feels a bit forced. And I re- I like Starks. So that's not just me being a mega bitch, but I do sometimes see that and it cringes me a bit because it just doesn't feel as natural as I think other people take it. But that could just be my cold interpretation. I refuse to think that anyone on NWA power doesn't have charisma. That show is full of charisma. <laughs> I, I I just don't I, I I keep wanting to like Ricky Starks because you know hey we're a positive wrestling podcast and he's a baby face and there's occasionally things I like I just I just don't get it I, like, everyone's like oh he's the he's the next big thing like for me I just don't I just don't see it but yeah I've been wrong before maybe once <laughs> <laughs> Harry Brook I was wrong about Harry Brook <laughs> did anyone see the Don Callis turn coming I certainly didn't um. I- I think I saw it coming. I just don't think yeah. I saw it coming then. Yeah. I think Josh has got it spot on there that they'd been teasing some chicanery, hadn't they? But yeah, I'm with Josh. It, it felt early. Not early in a bad way. Not as in like, oh, they've rushed it. As in, I, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't expecting it. I think, I think a lot 
it will have to be said because uh, I think he's got a promo announced for Dynamite this week. So I think a lot will have to be said during that for us to fully understand it. And then I think then we can kind of have more of a rounded opinion on it. So yeah, I, I, think... I saw it once they hit the one-winged angel. I didn't think they just put they would go clean and no one kicks out the one-winged angel. Mm. At that point, so apart from uh, Mad Kurt, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did Kurt Bush yeah. kick out the one-winged angel? Pretty sure, like well, no one can tell it. I mean, I might be wrong, but well, technically, the only person to kick out of the one winged angel was actually Kenny Omega. Well, yes, yeah, so yeah, yeah, he can kick out. The yeah. <laughs> he kicked out of hand bands. But um, when yeah, when he hit the one winged angel, I was like, I don't see this being because it's dynamite. It being a clean finish. Yeah, he's sort of there, and I was like, oh, period, yeah. But and that was literally just so like one second before it happened. So no, one right, it's, but it's Kenny's like, first ever singles loss on a dynamite as well, apparently, which is some stat. How many has he had, though? I, I think it was like 16 yeah. wins, the draw with Danielson, and then obviously that la- that it's loss. 16. 16? Yeah, 16. <laughs> 16. Four matches a year. <laughs> Can I have a quick sidebar before I force Ross to have his opinion on this? Billy Gunn won I... three matches in a night at Keener. <laughs> <laughs> was it four? I think, um, I think Ross has mentioned offline to me what he thinks about this, and I, I think he's got it spot on. But before we do that, I don't know if we've mentioned this on the pod before, but all of you guys get incredibly fucked off when Tony, it's not just Tony Schiavone anymore. It's like all of the commentary team call it the one winged angel. Like they make winged into a two syllable word and yeah, it just I've, I've violently upsets me. That's why I wasn't sure <laughs> what to say. The one winged angel. It's like, it's, winged. Winged. it's like, fucking winged. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> And now, at first, I thought it was like Shivani. Now they all do it. Fucking, like, can I, can I, I think tell it's you the worst thing about One Winged Angel. It's basically England's football team in the mid 2000s era, isn't it? Can I tell you a, a random wrestling thing that annoys me from AW that I've just thought of? So, you know, the clip of Sting's debut, and it's like a really famous clip, and obviously, like, it's a big moment. And they keep saying it's like, oh, they said it's the first time he's been on TNT since 2001. And this was in 2020, which is 19 years after. And then they repeatedly say it's 18 years after. And that's forever since then done my head in. Like, is they it... don't know the difference between 18 and 19. Yeah, but is it? Because it's not a full 19 years. Oh, don't give me that. Don't start. <laughs> anyway, Ross. What's your cut-off point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> anyway, Ross, what's your take on um, on the Don Callis thing? Yeah, so Don Callis thing really interests me. And I love the fact that, one, I loved Brian Danielson's reaction to it when it cut to him. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Um, brilliant yeah. It was so kind cool. of the reaction that people would do when they were on the um, screen during the um, like era when there was TV screens around in the pandemic <laughs> era. <laughs> like really overblown <laughs> reaction. Um, loved it. And secondly, that to me, it kind of proves that Danielson, storyline-wise, had no idea about it. And the reason for that, I think, is that this isn't Don Callis choosing the combat club over Kenny. I think it's him choosing Will Ospreay. And I think that Don Callis is going to be New Japan and AEW again, like he was previously. But rather with Kenny, this time with Will. And obviously that plays beautifully into their story because they had the Wrestle Kingdom match this January. And yeah, I think it's going to be that thing where Don Callis in character can say... Kenny Omega isn't streamlined thinking anymore. He's not about himself. He doesn't surround himself with people that are right for him. He surrounds himself with friends and he's thinking about 
things that are distracting him rather than helping his career. And that's not what I'm about. I'm about being a winner. And on the opposite side of that, you've got Will Ospreay, who is single-minded and a bastard and surrounding himself with people that are only helping him with the United Empire. So it all fits in. And I think you had a little nugget of information from Twitter as well, right, Brom? Oh, well, because he has he has bruv, doesn't he, in his Twitter bio. Yeah. Ooh. Ah. And um, I just feel sorry for Gideon Gray. I was thinking <laughs> <then>. <laughs> He's the mouthpiece of the United Empire. Yeah, and he will continue to be so in the UK. Yeah, and he can do the non-kind of big shows in New Japan. He's doing what are the smaller shows that, that they do? The like... Road 2. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's doing the Road 2. <laughs> But yeah, I think I think you've got that spot on rock. Also, talking about New Japan, Brum, you, did you want to quickly touch on uh, Dan Maloney's run? Yeah, he's got. Um, he is. He got beat by Francisco Akira this morning. Is that two wins, two losses? He was got? two yeah. and one before. Yeah, yeah, because he beat. He's beaten. He got beaten by Kanemaru, but arguably, what we think is his two toughest fixtures on paper was Yo and Bushi, and he so won both matches. Yeah. How's he been in in ring? Um, not it's not been bangerific or anything like that. And actually, BSJ's not not got off to like mega banger start. The Bailey match on the first night was good, but um, there's not been loads of them. But yeah, just yeah, fine. It's it's not like he's wrestled poorly or anything like that. It's just the matches the matches weren't massively exciting. He got off over that. His like he's different to those guys. His hard hitting style and the drill and stuff like that. But it's um, he didn't drill really it as a finish. Yeah. Nice. I'm so, looking forward uh, to hearing Kevin Kelly say that really long yeah. as well. <laughs> Is it the best finisher in wrestling at the moment? Well, I saw Close Your Eyes and Count of Fuck on AEW TV the other day. <laughs> well, it's not the J-Driller if you ask JR. Fuck me. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, the Driller Killer is up there. In the, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. What, what are the best finishers on TV these days? Montez is Fog Splash. That's a round table for another day, right? Mm. Definitely. Which is, that's got to be a great segue for you, Ross, right? JCH. <laughs> <laughs> anyone watch anything else, Ross? You watch any WWE, NXT you want to bring up? Uh... Yeah, loads. Just two well, things. Pretty Deadly's debut on SmackDown was a lot of fun. Backstage, <laughs> backstage segment with uh, Seamus, Butch and Ridge. So that's going to be their first feud, it looks like, which is fun. If you ask me, they were brilliant. They got across, like, how I've been saying for the last year or so, like, they are the new Edge and Christian, if you ask me. Yeah. 2000 Edge and Christian. Ooh, Lots of fun. Kazoo and that. They yeah. might have sort of a recorder if they're British. They? Yeah. And they called it um, that this was their debut on Friday Night Snackdown, which I thought was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, and over on Raw, JD Madonna made his debut, and he got a vignette package which looked really cool. It kind of gave me the same vibes as those Sean O'Hare ones when he debuted. Oh, the Devil's Advocate ones. Yeah, yeah. It was actually really cool. Ross, did you see that um, Finn Balor was looking up from the rafters when he was getting interviewed by Kathy Kelly as well? I did see that. He'd be perfect mm. for the Judgment Day, right? He was. So do you, think, do you think JD stands for Judgment Day? Imagine that, if it's all been a ploy. From day one, since he joined uh, NXT 2.0. Yeah. That would yeah. be some, some long-term storytelling that is not really... Directed towards WWE often, so yeah. <laughs> as long as, he, as, long as it's, it's new, because I heard the um, there's some rumors that because of all the the current entrance music in WWE shit, they're getting a new house band. I hope his new music is JD McDonough, Children at Your Feet. Wonder how you managed to make ends meet. <laughs> but I'm I'm hoping. 
<laughs> that was true the bit before that. I don't know if you read that. Is it Death Rebel or something, the current ones? Yeah. With, where are all the, all the ones that, well, there's a few odd ones, but a lot of shit ones. Apparently they're getting someone new in. I don't know if that's just dirt sheet stuff, but I think that, yeah, I think they did Jim Johnson. a couple of years and they just kind of like, yeah, it's just who's the flavor of the month and then suddenly everyone will get it changed. So CFOS, they were well weird, weren't they? Yeah, there was something there was, Jim yeah, but their, their problem was theirs was just a lot of loops, like it was the same song just looped over and over. Yeah, but um, I think the uh, Bailey's NXT entrance music there was CFOS, whatever. And that's yeah. just maybe the greatest piece of music ever written. I think I want yeah, to have it. Like, have it. I bought that on iTunes. I spent like three ninety nine or something on it. Yeah, it's <laughs> absolute. Yeah, well, I bought Sasha well Banks and Bayes at the same time. Oof, uh, it was a good little combo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brum, have you watched anything? Stardom, Noah, Aussie Rules Wrestling. Probably, <laughs> probably, but I've just got no memory. Actually, something finished the three part. Ken Burns documentary on Hemingway that was good, but not not wrestling related. The <laughs> oh, I'll take I'll tell you what I've just started listening to. So this isn't oh, actually, well, your latest uh, audio book is, mate. Yeah, well this this is not an audio book, <laughs> but it's a it's a six part podcast. That's actually it's a non wrestling podcast called Behind the Bastards, but they're doing a six parter on Vince. So I've just started listening to the first. Oh, one was that the so, I thought that was a joke. No, not a joke. Oh, um, that'd be interesting. It's apparently it's the the longest one they've done before was a four parter on Henry Kissinger. So the fact like Vince is <laughs> two episodes more than Kissinger, I think, is amazing. <laughs> yeah, so I've just started that. So I'll probably the next time I'm on, I'll update if that was worth listening to. But yeah, no, I'm I've probably watched loads of rando matches. Uh, yeah, I was watching. I watched a bit of the Inoki Robinson one, but I've not finished it yet. But yeah, so nothing nothing too exciting on my side, guys. Unfortunately. Did you go back and watch any of the super strong matches that you did the research on? No, but I've um I've kept that list as a uh, ones that I want to uh, to go back and go Revisit. back and watch because it's been eight. Like I want because there's the the saber run where it's like he has like three bangers in the same night that I want to see, and the ones the actually the one that you posted up on the Twitter Ross the um the hero Mandrews one I remember yeah. that being fantastic, but I've not I've not seen it since probably about 2017. Um, yeah. I do fancy giving that a rewatch. That one's a bit of a sprint as well. Yeah. Quick watch. Yeah. yeah. Josh, you seen anything else? Uh, I was just going to ask Ross if he had any thoughts about NXT this evening with um, the women's title tournament carrying on. And then I think Dragon Lee's on with Noam Dar for a segment. Is that right? Yes. It's the debut on NXT of <laughs> the Supernova <laughs> Sessions, the greatest <laughs> Amazing. talk show in wrestling. It's, it's finally. Has Dragon Lee fought yet? Has he had his debut yet? Yeah, yeah he's, he's had a few matches. It's been great. He's been great. Oh, right, great. Yeah. Yeah, there was a really good probably... match with JD Madonna two weeks ago. That was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Has he fought A Kid or Frazier yet? He fought them in that, like, there was like a five man at the last uh, yeah, show. Yeah, it was um, okay. wasn't it? Yeah, that weekend. Yeah. So not like singles oh, yeah, wise. Oh, but... Sorry. I saw that match. Yeah, that was a, that was a great match. Yeah. But my brain's gone yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but going back to tonight's show, there's going to be, I think, People are going to be thinking that Roxanne's going to get through. Yeah. My idea was the final's going to be Roxanne and Cora, which I hope it's not, but I've just yeah. got this feeling they might put the title back on Roxanne because, like, I don't know, it's it's tricky to tell what, they, what the plan was with Indy winning the title because, like, we know in the past that, like, they've called up people without having a plan for them, and I don't know if they've gone back to that or whatever. Um, yeah. But then, obviously, I think she pro- she'd have probably gave up the title anyway because, obviously, she was injured. So I think a lot of it at the minute is kind of like 
they're not quite sure what they're doing. So whether now's the time when, I don't know, they go on to whoever was going to be Indy anyway, or they just go back to Roxanne, I don't know. I'm not too sure what they're going to do with this tournament, to be honest. Yeah. To me, it feels like it should be Tiffany Stratton that takes it, I think. It should always be Tiffany Stratton. I wanted it to be Tiffany Stratton at the pay-per-view, but, <laughs> you know, because she's looking great. But I think that the fun final would be Stratton versus Fallon Henley. I think that's a fun final. Yeah, that would be good. That would be good. What about the Pillow Girl? Pillow Girl's still injured, mate. <laughs> we'll let you know as soon as she's back. Yeah, yeah. Wendy Chu. She's great. She is. Ross, who did I know, I'm not I think we spoke about this privately, but who do you reckon have you got any thoughts on the um the mystery woman? I presume it's a woman anyway. Yeah, she attacked someone at the house show this week as well, didn't they? It was on the Twitters. Um yeah. she attacked Danny Palmer, I think, in a like Balaclava mm. and shit. I think it's Lara Valkyrie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I think that she needs something else to her character because I don't think what she's doing at the moment is specifically catching on, but she's a yeah. brilliant wrestler in, in ring. So yeah. I think giving her a bit of a heel turn, similar to what they did with Zoe Stark, where Zoe yeah. Stark was great in the ring, but didn't really connect on a babyface level. And then she did actually turn heel. I think that that's something that they're going to do with Lyra. Yeah. I mean, you've only got to look. I think Zoe's been great the first couple of weeks on Raw. So if you can have that sort of trajectory, then yeah, I'd be all for it. Yeah. She's fighting Candice next week, which is a great match yeah. on paper. Yeah. Is that E for Valkyrie? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. She's great. I'm a big fan of her. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's the being a woke queen. <laughs> the what sorry you can go back to being a woke queen like she was in eve that was brilliant <laughs> what's the is the lady that does the absolutely bonkers finisher is she in the tournament she's it's, injured i think Sally Sally Rupert. Rupert. Yeah, um she's done, yeah. done her acl yeah so there's quite a big conversation in sports science at the moment about female athletes and acls because it's happening quite a lot at the moment across a lot of sports in football obviously the um, England have got a few players out of the tournament in there. Yeah, correct. Three players from the Lions team that won the Euros are out with ACLs, including the captain, Williamson. Yeah, it's been a big like sports science talk recently that perhaps the over usage of sport for females is not a great thing. And I know, um, I think Nia Jax did an ACL, didn't she? Like last year, she had like double knee surgery. Yeah. Ross, did you just say women shouldn't do sport? <laughs> no, that's I didn't, didn't realise we that kind of oh, podcast. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there's been a discussion about <laughs> the amount of strain that professional sports women are putting on their knees, in particular. Uh, and there's a correlation as like a thing being spoken about it in sports science at the moment. Hmm. Well, I don't know. There's a lot of. It's not. I, I feel like it's just a quite common sporting injury. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's just um, something that's been brought up. I mean, in my mind, it's just like women's sport is now actually getting some coverage and now you're actually aware and now it's been more made notice of because I feel a lot of people do in a lot of sports do ACLs quite commonly. I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Is is this similar to the metatarsal boom of the mid-noughties? Yeah, I think it might (laughs) be, I've got PTSD from metatarsals. I think you only know what a metatarsal is if you're an England football fan. <laughs> but yeah, like what I was reading was that, that obviously when when sports people, men or women, train, they train certain ways to um, make their body stronger or more dynamic or whatever it may be. Yeah. And maybe some of the training that these sports women in football are doing, they just need to change the way that they're training. The, the actual like physical activity that they do in training. Yeah, 
I said, like, I haven't done the science, so I won't. <laughs> I'm not going to dismiss it. <laughs> no, I want you to wildly speculate. I think we should well, all just wildly speculate. Okay, well, I, why do you speculate? I think it's, it's, it's a common injury in amongst male and female sports people in all sports. And I think pro- potentially it looks like a more a problem in female sports now as female sports are now actually getting some, like, yeah. getting the attention they deserve, whereas before they haven't. I don't know. Yeah. As I, again, I, I haven't done the science, so... As a wrestling podcast, we start talking about ACH instead of ACL. <laughs> he was a wrestler, Where right? Where is ACH? <laughs> so, do you want to move on to the round table? Let's do it. Sports science, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the wrestling should be fun round table. And today's roundtable topic, Ross, can you fill us in? Because <laughs> I've made a great Shafi, whose topic it is, and he's not here. And I don't want to Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, basically, Shafi was planning on to be on this podcast, but sadly couldn't make it. Um, so we're going to try and do him justice. He wanted a discussion on the worked shoot in wrestling and if it is actually working for or against storylines at the moment with a specific look at the pillars of AEW storyline, uh, where Shafi is arguing that the worked shoots and promos that um, have been going on in those segments have actually made him side with Sammy rather than Jungle Boy or Darby yeah. Allen, which is obviously counterproductive to the story that they're trying to tell. So the conversation was just around whether worked shoots are a good thing or a bad thing in wrestling, and I know that Brum has helpfully done a lot of research into this for the second <laughs> after this segment. So if we cut to Brum, yeah, well, so it's just just more of a few examples that I thought I'd drop in because I mean, there's a lot of examples of it going bad, which I'm sure we'll get to. But I think it's probably worth looking at when it actually goes well. It's weird, I think, that a lot of people go to probably Pipe Bomb right as the example of as like the number one example. I'd argue that number one example is actually probably outsiders turning up that's work shoot isn't it the, the idea yeah. is is that you think that it's that's razor ramon and he's pretending to be from wf or whatever based on real life stuff and that's arguably the most important wrestling event of the past 30 years um yeah. in a lot of ways so i think that's number one and yeah it was just probably to kick off from that i think that's an example of when it could work really well because i mean that i mean they probably didn't get it all perfect, but that opening hall promo in the middle of the ring where it's like, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. It's like, it, I mean, it's, it gives you gives you goosebumps now just thinking about how, just how bloody good that was. And that's exactly what it is, where it's like you're... But everything you did there, there wasn't anything which technically broke the fourth wall. It was just playing on the fact of everyone knew who he was and, it's, and, and creating the excitement and hinting at something going on in the background without actually being like overly fourth wall breaking. The NWO did end up doing some of that later, but I think that opening moment is is pretty much the the archetype and the perfect way of how you do that work shoot piece. I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, so I um, when we were talking about the, the Pillars thing earlier, I was actually thinking that having watched all four of those little clips they did, I also did feel that Sammy was the one who came across as a babyface, which is maybe just the story they chose to tell in terms of 
this is what this person's going to say and we're going to try and make each person's story be as real as possible. I think, obviously, that's not by design that Sammy's come across as the sympathetic one. So I think work shoots work in this day and age when there's so much social media. And I mean, I have as well got subscriptions to this site and that site. And there's not much we don't know, which is a shame because I think work shoots are done better in this day and age when they're done like subtly because then it's like Mm -hmm. it could be true, but it might not be real. I also have the, I'm not going to say benefit, but the, I, I also did watch quite a lot of 2000 WCW in in recent years, which takes work shoots to a whole different level. And I don't think yeah. anyone's ever gone close to that level of ridiculousness and stupidity. Yeah. And I mean, I could go on and on about it, but I think work shoots in this day and age are done much better when they're not as obvious. So like the lines really are blurred. Cause like I said, with, you know, social media and all that, if something happens on a show within half an hour or, whatever on twitter one of the wrestling journalist people has said if it's real or not which kind of does take away the magic and stuff but in this day and age i don't think there's much you can keep a secret yeah and and, and i think i think connected to that i know we're going in a bunch of different directions here so anyone shut me up i'll jump in but i think my biggest my biggest issue with the modern work shoot stuff is when wrestlers think they're smarter than they are and try and do it like I remember um, Scott Dawson, Dax Harwood, when he was just this like old school fucking cracking technical wrestler. Um, and that was his like, that was his gimmick as well. And he was just really likable. You're like, this is the guy I want to get behind. And then he just created his own podcast. And not only that, but even the stuff he does, where every, basically everything he does, it's just trying to be like a, a shit work shoe of like, or like either will they, won't they leave? And, you know, what's going on with punk and everything? And he's gone from being this like cool fucking old school technical wrestler to just being like an embarrassing child. And so I think that's a real risk these days in terms of how it can then fly back in your face as a wrestler. At the risk of um, upsetting JCH, is that just not um, because of the company that he's been keeping? (laughs) (laughs) The silence Um, is deafening. I've been distracted and I hadn't quite heard the point, so... I get it was Dax Harwood, and then I'm guessing I was a CM Punk driver. <laughs> <laughs> I think the short version of, this, of what we're all trying to say is they do have their place. They just need to be done in a very clever way. In I, this I, I honestly, I'm not. I just don't give it. Like, if you're telling a good story, tell a good story. Yeah, I don't care if it's real or not. Like, if you're if you're not good enough an actor, but you need a bit of reality to make make me believe your story, great. If you are, then we don't need it. It's my personal opinion. So, like, and, and, you, it depends on how believable is the promo. Like you said earlier about Ricky Starks, I don't find him believable like you at all. I I feel like he's a, he's a he's it's for, it seems quite forced. Whereas you know it's other people, maybe they need that little bit of hatred or a little bit of needle. I think it works best. I mean, I, I don't know if it's certain, but I know you, I think I can't remember Shafi or yourself, Brum, who when we were chatting about this as a potential topic, mentioned like MJF Punk as a storyline. And at that point, I believe again, I'm not privy to this. They got on, so I feel like the the, the lines they were they were using against each other. I'm not saying they cleared them all, but they sort of knew what was off limit and what wasn't. Like like what I do with my mates. Like if I want to take the piss, there's some stuff I won't mention because that's just being cruel and that mm. bit of upset them. And there's some stuff I can bring up. And the same way I think my friends know with me, like some stuff, yeah, take the piss. It's funny. Yeah. Other stuff. Yeah, probably steer clear of that because that's going to actually hurt. And I feel that's the sort of way that the the that stuff like the MJF Punk seem to have 
um, or when people get on and you can actually act. And I think the stuff when you've actually got to go in and you've got to go, like I think uh, someone mentioned they like Kingston Guevara, that obviously didn't go down that well. At the end of the day, we all know it's not 1991, whatever, or 1935. We're not throwing pints of piss at someone because we think he's slagging off our hometown. We know it's a show. Yeah. And when it's done at it its best, it's a really well told, it's athletically incredible show. But we're not pretending that this is real anymore, uh, especially at our age. You know, maybe some kids are. So I think if you've got to go that route that actually pisses someone off and you haven't sort of got that all clear of them, then I don't think it's necessary. And if you have, I think the things that work well are the things that sort of make it believable and you add that little bit of reality to it because we all get that little glimpse into people's lives now and then that's when it works the best. And and is is um in terms of MGF and Jeff Punk is that analogous to sort of Cena Rock and their promos, which where there was just like when you watched it, there was an excitement of being like, "Holy shit, did he just piss off the Rock there?" Well, he- you like that. There's bits of that in there which it's still completely within the storyline. Everything's there, but there's just something that has a, a little bit more bite and snap to it like i think things like that for me that blurring of the lines is a bit of a fun and bit of excitement because it doesn't change the story but it just adds that maybe a little extra bit of snap and spark to it whether it's real or not i think that's a really good point and i think that what sets those kind of ones apart are where rock and cena was two technical baby faces and they Mm. had to add needle to create story and i think that whenever these sorts of worksheet things work it's either where it's been added in to, to create some kind of needle, like the Rock and Cena one was a, it is a great example. Or if you're just trying to make money off something that's genuinely happened, like the Jeff, Hart, um, the Matt Hardy Ed yeah. stuff was incredible, and it was incredible because it was real. Yeah. But also, but also, they're two professionals that were doing their job and making money. So obviously, it's like a shoot, but even that is a work shoot because they're making money off reality. It's a weird one, isn't it? The that one because it didn't it didn't really end well. But like the the bit of Matt Hardy like in the crowd and everything like that's just yeah absolute red Great. hot. And I think Great. that shows where you can do it. You know, it does work. Yeah, um, which is like Scott came through the crowd as well. I'm just I'm just really into wrestlers surprisingly come through the crowd. Yeah, but which it's is... a funny <laughs> discussion to have as well, given the fact that. If Punk's coming back, pretty much every storyline he's probably going to have for the foreseeable is going to have elements of work shoots in. Can I jump back to the Matt Hardy thing? <laughs> no, no, this isn't this isn't me slagging off Matt Hardy. I've said I feel that 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 must have been like Matt Hardy was like okay with doing that clearly because yeah. he got fired. Yeah. So he obviously so you know so that's sort of what I was talking about. Like you know what your what your limits are, and that's what you're going to work on. And maybe like he just thought, yeah, I've already been. Uh, well, I've like my girlfriend. I, at I, time, my girlfriend at times left me. I might as well make some money out of it. Fair. I enough. half wonder with that like, if him doing that storyline was a condition of him coming back or not. Well, it definitely. Well, it, yeah, definitely was. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's they the one. They weren't going well, to. Well, it's the one Bring him back to feud with make a fucking firm deletion match, are they? <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah, clear, that's was... clearly why they brought him back, but he's still had to make that decision: do I come back or not? So he yeah. has to be able to, and he is a, you know, and I'm mean, gonna say everyone has, but most of us have probably had that sort of or had a heartbreak of some kind at some point in our lives, and maybe not in the same scenario, probably not. But you've all got to make the decision, you know. And if someone's like, oh, by the way, you can come and do this and make a bit of money out of it, some people would say no, some people would say yes. And he, but he's made that decision as a professional himself to do it, and he's come back and acted like a professional. Like what, you know, he's. Fair play to the man. 
If only everyone in wrestling had that mentality. <laughs> I think the interesting thing as well, we kind of talked a lot about the like the promo side and the and the element of of shoot. I think a really interesting one is, and I think probably the last one for me, which really was an exciting work shoot blur, was when Brock's return when he's sort of fighting Cena and Orton and people like that. And it's like, fuck, is he actually like, you can see that he's like legit hurting them. Yeah. <laughs> like whether it's, you know, how much that that's played or not, but it was just very much me for a fan and just being like, fuck me. Like just being I still that, can't that believe... excitement and needle to it. And you're just like, what the fuck am I watching here? And that was, whether it's good or bad, like let's put them around. I, I still now have moments where... I still now have moments where I can't believe that SummerSlam finish with Randy Orton actually happened. Yeah. I just think it's one of the most dangerous things I've ever seen in wrestling. Let's intentionally bust someone's head open with an elbow and just watch them bleed everywhere. But but, but that's the reason why it's why some why you, you get these people these rumors of or backstage rumors of people who don't want to wrestle CM Punk. Like if these guys have had a fight with him in reality, you've actually got to go in there and trust the man with your body. Yeah, and that's that's where the professionalism comes in, and that's where you've got to earn the trust of your opponent. Whether like you can go and slag each other off all you like, but if the other person doesn't trust you to take care of them in the ring, in a in a place you can very clearly injure someone if you wanted to, and mm. I, I, I mean, everyone says, oh, and, you know, and I, you know which side I'm on in the Punk Elite feud, but everyone says, yeah, they should just put their differences aside and make money. If those guys have literally got the shit kicked out of them by him and a bloke who's biting them and they don't trust him in the <laughs> ring, then I can sort of see their point as much as like I think they, you know, so you can sort of see their point from that saying, because at the end of the day, you're putting your body and your career in the hands of someone else every time you step in the ring. And if you don't trust the guy that much, then why would you do it? I think my only counter to that, JCH, was that, and, I'm, and I'm not one of these people that like, looks back at the good old days of wrestling, but if you look sort of prior to like the mid 90s, Everyone sort of hated each other. Everyone was selfish. Most people were absolute twats. And, like, they, yeah, the history of wrestling from, like, the 1900s up to, like, the 90s, that was what it was. Everyone was just dickheads who hated each other. And they, and you know, and they weren't, like, I mean, there was a few few examples where it's happened, but they weren't regularly taking liberties with each other. They just got on with it because it's like, well, it's work. This is what we do. Like, I think that now someone's had, had a like had a bit of a kerfuffle and now it's like well we can't get in the ring together that just seems quite tame back to what what the hell used to go on in wrestling and that, that's not me being like oh these guys are all soft and, and the guys historically were like tough guys who can make it work that's just more my point that i think because actually because wrestling has probably become a good locker room atmosphere that notion of trust being associated with almost like a professional trust has to have a personal trust connection which i don't think was the case historically it was like everyone probably hated each other but you just did your job and you were professionals in the ring there maybe be a little bit of liberty taking or receipts and all that silly stuff but it wasn't anything more than that well now i think because locker rooms in a good way are very positive but much more positive places that actually professional and personal trust have been mushed together when actually we've got 80 years and hundreds of thousands of wrestling mas- matches to show us it doesn't necessarily have to be. Well, well, that's, well, that's my point of why it's a thing now, because as you say in the past, you say everyone hated each other and they all went and worked and yeah, they might have taken receipts and that sort of thing. Whereas now, if everyone's looking after each other and you do have a falling out with someone and now you don't know, you, you've not been brought up. I mean, probably for the best, you've not mm-hmm. been brought up in that era of someone... Yeah 
just giving you a, maybe a bit of a harder lick than before, and you don't know what's going to come if you work with that person. Yeah. So I think. What do you think to like um, the Becky and Charlotte situation, where Becky and Charlotte's kind of actions with the belt exchange and stuff was embarrassing, right? Yeah. Like, mm. It wasn't good. Like it wasn't good TV. Neither of them came across very well. You weren't entirely sure who was in the wrong or in the right. By and large, people took the side of Becky because people just hate Charlotte no matter what. That's an example of where needle in wrestling was for the negative, right? Like that yeah. should have coincided with a great feud. Yeah. Um, when you listen to Bruce Pritchard's podcast, he always says that needle in wrestling is where the magic is because you don't know what what's real and what's not. Unfortunately, in recent times, it hasn't come across that way. It's just like it's been a negative. In my I opinion. think we spoke about the one example that kind of it wasn't a major feud but with sammy and eddie kingston i think the story was that eddie apologized and then they did the match in the feud anyway and other than that i can't really think of too many where people have actually got on and done the feud and we wouldn't if you didn't know they didn't have beef beforehand watching their match you wouldn't really know if they did or they didn't well, yeah, i can't really think of too many examples where it's worked out all hunky-dory like that which i don't know what it says i think it's just it's just one of those things isn't it like like jc it says it's different to having a falling out with someone in a regular job because you're not reliant on your safety doesn't usually depend on them whereas obviously in wrestling it does so yes yeah, it's, it's a shame like said, i think as fans moment. we just want everything to work out and we want to see the good matches at the end of the day but i guess well, ego and, and personal opinions Josh, sometimes Josh, in the way. I, don't think you under- I don't think you understand how dangerous modern accounting can be <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe I'm naive to that. I do apologise to all the uh, accountants out there fighting the good fight. What I'd bring up, and I think this is part of what Shafi wanted to say in the first place, is that social media makes a difference. Like, would you have known? Yeah. Scarlett and Becky had a falling out. Oh, it wasn't yeah. part of the storyline. They were setting the seeds for a feud by, was it dropping the belt on the floor? Was it that bit? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so say if they had never come out that they fell out about that backstage, would we'd, we'd have never known. Just thought that's part of a storyline. So it's yeah. also like the social media think even, part of like blurring the lines. I'm not even, saying that's exactly what Shavi said, but same with like Kingston yeah. and Sammy Guevara or you know, these people or or any of the feuds we never saw happen. Maybe that happened loads back in the day that people refused to work with each other, and yeah. we just never knew that they'd fallen out. Like you hear about it now, like oh, so and so wouldn't put over so and so. You back in the day, which is basically what we're talking about. Yeah. But but there wasn't these access to these people, so maybe it has been going on forever, and we just didn't know. Yeah. I I personally think there are there are probably three rules to work shoots. One, there can't be anything in there for me which breaks the narrative connectiveness or I, I was going to say breaks the fourth wall but i think you know i'm not i'm not talking about punk turning around and waving and saying hi colt cabana though that's aged well hasn't it but um <laughs> the, but it's about it's about doing something which is which actually if that wasn't the case it wouldn't make sense in the storyline so funnily enough josh going back to the extreme examples of what you brought up around WCW 2000 and all the mental stuff with like Russo, Jarrett and Hogan and, and yeah. all of that stuff, which is like, this doesn't make sense in a storyline. This is all, this only works because of the fourth wall bullshit. You're supposed to be wrestlers wanting to win yeah. the title. You're not, I would, you're not part of a written show. It's not, this isn't meta art, nor should it be. Like it's, it doesn't work. Like unless you're doing something like a kind of a small comedy promotion or something like that and you go to and it's really interesting and artistic and stuff and that's fine but that's not what 
that's not what the dramatic narrative landscape is to WCW or WWE or AEW. It needs to work fully within what their narrative world and narrative landscape is. And if you break that, that's just fundamentally wrong. So that's one. I think two, <laughs> you don't want to do it unless it's on purpose. Um, and this is where the Sammy things falls down, is where it affects character alignments, face, heel, whatever, where you're supposed to be portraying a character of this disposition. And it doesn't even, even have to be face, heel. It could be another character trait. But you break that by doing something to be shooty. I think that's the problem. And then I think the the third element is the Dax Harwood version, which is doesn't really break A or B, but actually what it does is... It undermines, like, is what you're doing, what does it add or what does it retract to your character? All the stuff that Dax Harwood's done adds absolutely nothing to his story or to anything around that. All it's done is completely detract from him and turn him from being an exciting individual to someone that you actually just pity and you think, oh, I feel a bit sorry for him. I think he's just actually someone who's not that smart and has got quite a sad life. And that's the change from when I thought he was this badass, cool technical wrestler. So, oh, I think- challenge. Dax Harwood's got a sad life. He basically spends all his time either doing the odd match, hanging out with his wife and kid, and drinking tequila. Good tequila. Yeah. He's got the great life. That's the that's exactly what, and that's how we should think of him. But instead, I just think of this like man who's just like really just obsessed about getting these little things over or it just really detracts from it that's why also i don't think any active wrestlers it's fine coming and doing like the odd interview big up wsbf and our back catalog but having your own kind of podcast medium unless you're like doing something fun like mandrews and what you did with quizzes and things like that and it's part of his character but if you're like someone on like in that situation where you're supposed to like serious character and then you have your own podcast which is inside baseball it just absolutely yeah. does not work i think the only way to do it is i know obviously with bruce pritchard's podcast i think they have like an unwritten rule where they don't really discuss current stuff i think that's the only way an active wrestler could do it is if they yeah. literally spoke about stuff that was like in the past but again like obviously it's not as groundbreaking or as headline grabbing but i know on jr's podcast comrade will ask him at the start about the odd thing in aw going on you get the odd little sound bite he here and there headline <laughs> um but yeah, I think it's a uh, going back to what you were saying, JCH, really. I think back in the day, like obviously if we were fans back in the day, I don't think we'd really know all these like insider beefs and stuff. And I'd be fascinated to speak to a wrestling fan who, I mean, it'd be tricky to find, but wasn't on social media, wasn't subscribed to any dirt sheet website. Because I think it'd be drastically different on certain people that we've discussed to like ours who know like all the insider stuff. Like you said with Dax Harwood, it can completely change your opinion on someone if you know something about them as people, which... I guess goes further than wrestling and goes for all areas. But I think with wrestling in particular, because so much of it now is peeping behind the curtain, uh, it definitely changes like the viewer experience. A final I, I, note on AEW. Do you think that the work to shoot stuff that they've been moving towards recently is because of this fly on the wall documentary thing they're doing? And they're trying to play into that and be like, you need to watch that to follow this. So with but, that, I, I get I, why they... They didn't obviously they couldn't discuss the CM Punk thing, but I do think it's a bit ridiculous having a behind the scenes documentary series and not talking about one of the biggest behind the scenes stories in your company's history. And also, I don't know if you guys have seen much of it, but it was pretty much let's slag off Thunder Rosa show for most of it. All I know is I watched about three minutes of it and just wanted to scratch my eyes out. 
it was just <laughs> it's probably this is probably just a personal thing but i'm not apart from great british bake off i'm not into reality television like it was just all so cringy and awful the acting was inhumanely bad like just the production of it, everything about it i was just just incredibly upset and it was only three minutes of my life um, but just incredibly upset about what i enjoyed in that three minutes do you think that the kind of the reality shows of now and previous in Total Divas and stuff and how kind of see-through they are, that they are reality TV and that they kind of react to stuff afterwards and that kind of constructed realism way like Made in Chelsea and Towery and stuff do as well, where something happens in real life, then you reenact it to the best of your abilities? Do you reckon that that's kind of proof that wrestling with shadows, which sometimes gets thrown that, oh, that's all made up, like either the acting of 1997 wrestlers was excellent or that was just truly fly on the wall shit? Mm. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I, think, I think back then you were more likely to get fly on the wall shit because, yeah, you've seen stuff like, I don't know, like what's that, like Graham Taylor documentary? Yeah. Uh, when you got yeah. Impossible job. Yeah, you see all these things, you see things before. People sort of realise, like, look at season one of Big Brother. I don't know if any of you watched it. I watched yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they <laughs> didn't know. That's the nasty Nick one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's... It's And they had no idea anyone was watching outside. And it was like, quite genuine. And everyone after that just got a little bit less. And then eventually it was just like, oh, we're going to make, I might be able to make it onto what the, what did Big Craig get on? Like, owns DIY. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. the first one, that was like a genuine social experiment. And they had no idea anyone was going to be watching that. And they just sort of were, were there, and it was really interesting. And each time now, it gets less and less. And as you say, you, you find out about, like, you know, I had a mate who was an extra made in Chelsea and found out, like you just said, yeah, it's something, it wouldn't be quite be like a fixed thing, be like, oh, yeah, someone's going to come around, we don't know who it is, and then we act and that sort of thing. And it's it's set up TV, which now it's been going on for so long, we're all yeah. aware of it. But I don't know, like, I, I thought like, like Breaking Ground was awesome. Yeah. The best thing, like, I really enjoyed it. And then, you know, Maybe that's it. Obviously, it is like part of the same. As someone who's been a quote quote extra on Total Divas, I've seen how <laughs> fake it is. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but I think what's interesting about the format of something like Breaking Ground, because it's not about either wrestling storylines really or the backstage about it. You're just watching people going through that journey. I mean, there's and there's bits like behind it scene, like Regal get pissed off with people and stuff like that, which is which is a bit more fly on the wall. But it's a bit more genuine documentary rather than reality yeah. TV, I'd say, where the <laughs> distinction is. Really interesting about Ross bringing up reality TV, because I think that's... I've not really thought about this before, but actually I think that's probably a distinction between when you see this stuff going wrong. When you see the odd needle, like in Cena Rock, where it's like, this is just... We're watching a scripted fictional show obviously with some ad-libbing in and, and everything like that and there's just been a little bit of ad-libbing there which has got a little bit of a wrinkle to it and that's that's interesting there's that which is the good side and then there's the other stuff which is where you're just trying to be like shit reality tv i think that's when yeah. wrestling gets it really wrong and it does too much of that qtv <laughs> <laughs> that's a current affairs program isn't it <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what it is <laughs> I mean to be fair I usually turn the channel when the news is on as well <laughs> <laughs> okay so how about this then right you have to say yes or no like a room 101 thing worked shoots do they go into room 101 yes or no work shoots in this millennium yeah I think you should just write about storylines not have to rely on it I'd say no because as they say the best wrestling characters are 
just yourselves turned up a little bit. So just just lose use it and turn it up. And but you've got to do it with people you can work with. Pretty sure that's the lyrics to the Too Cool song. Turn it up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So two to one, it's gone. <laughs> well, there's four of us. Yeah, I'm on the edge. You're the, you're the, the Frank Skinner of the group. Gotta be Matt Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee that you guys get a lot bored if they weren't their work shoes. Yeah. It depends Just, who's writing the stories. Eddie Dennis might write some great ones now. Ooh. Ooh, where's the young bucks with new trainers again? <laughs> <laughs> Those were work suits because they used to write feel on them and shit. Yeah, they where they wrote pet like drawing pins into them, they? No. <laughs> I know Ross has expertly wrapped up that segment, so Phil can delete this bit if we need as a bit of a tangent. I don't um, think burn deletion was work shoot. Just saying that much, guys. That's what you're going to get. <laughs> that's, that's an absolute, that's an absolute <laughs> work shoot. Um, <laughs> I don't think the fiend getting set on fire and coming back was a work shoot either, guys. I think that really happened. <laughs> and he should, he's definitely going to have to cut this now because after that, I've just completely forgot what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> It was gonna be it was gonna be the hottest take of the year as well. Something cane based. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a shoot, that whole storyline, that was fucking real. Have you read the cane book, Josh? There's a cane book. Well I like a, a podcast you to listen to. Um still going to it. It's quite funny. Credit the Attitude Era podcast. Um they did this book review of this some they basically WWE wrote a book on the cane backstory. It's got like the house on fire, Katie Vick, everything involved. Yeah, I've never read it because it's like it's so hard to find. It was quite expensive. And I did look up to buy it. I just read, listened to these guys like go through it, and it was quite hilarious. So amazing. Find that, find that episode of the Attitude Era podcast, or if the book's less than like a hundred quid now, grab it. <laughs> uh, and moving on, I'm going for. A, have we got a book of bingo, Ross, to finish up? I think we'll leave it this week. We've gone pretty long on that RT, but um, do you want to plug uh, the apron bump? Yeah. Does anyone else want to you know, anyone else want to plug anything before we get to me? Um, I'll plug Oscar's TikTok again. <laughs> um, we're live. We're on TikTok doing our thing. Haven't seen Oscar dancing yet, which is a shame. Maybe soon. <laughs> it is too quick for his second <laughs> meeting time. <laughs> uh, that can be found at Wrestling Should Be Fun on TikTok. We're also on Instagram, where you can get the ring post newsletter from Dom at wrestling should be fun on Instagram. Also in charge of our live show feed on every event that we go to and the Twitter at WSBFUN, uh, where we're banging out loads of historical stuff about wrestling, the modern day opinion stuff, quizzes, little fun games. Sorry, just to interrupt. I'm, I've got Luton Sunderland in the background. I'm pretty sure James Ellsworth's in the crowd. <laughs> about 63 minutes 12 seconds is a pretty much close-up on james ellsworth yeah i'll try and get that up on twitter <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah and uh yeah i was on the apron bump last week we recorded and it's going out tomorrow i believe yeah looking forward to hearing it uh had a really good time uh chatting some old school ring of honor which had its ups and downs so yeah looking forward to hearing that so yeah if anyone has the time please check that out as well um, also a little plug for next week we're going to be recording our super strong style preview which i'm excited about uh the bracket comes out tomorrow on what culture wow does it I yeah why well, get my prediction in it's prompt. yeah 7 p.m on what culture youtube for fuck's sake i like did um 
because I thought we were going to have to like fantasy book the whole thing. I just created my own bracket. That was a waste of fucking time, wasn't it? <laughs> Unless, especially <laughs> kids, it's going to be Danny Blackwell Osprey round one. I'm telling you, I've got um, you've I, got I, him I in the court in the in this thing, but you yeah, you've got Black Slater. Yeah, I'd Slater beating Black and Osprey beating Derice in the first round, and then Osprey I'd, 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 I'd switch them. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely think Black Osprey based on the front line connection. Yeah, I think I I think if if Derice is Derice is super hot right now, he either makes it past the first round or he's got to have like a star making match with someone, and and the only say, person to do that I think is Osprey. You say he's super hot? Has he won a match this year? <laughs> no, he did tell me some cool sunglasses at the uh, last ballroom show. <laughs> yeah, I, d- I don't think you have. To, I don't think it's. Oh my god, we can't go into a podcast about the wins and losses matter as much. But I think in this case, he's really over. Is all I'm saying. And he's I think really he's over, good. and I love him. But he is about zero and eight this year. <laughs> he was he was naught and six at shows I've been to see him in the last year or so. At one point, there we go, lyrical dragon. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> drink lots of water. Look after your mates. See ya, pals. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun.